Hey everyone, it's been pretty quiet on this public feed for a couple of weeks now, and that is because my much, much, much beloved grandma passed away on December 5th. I was with her, and I am very grateful for that, and I will always be grateful for that. But despite the beautiful goodbye, I uh, it's, it's a rough time. That's why I've decided to not release new episodes on this public feed for a while, kind of reduce my workload. Now, I am still creating uh, whenever I can and releasing things to the lovely people on Patreon whom without uh, support, I could not do this. But I did want to share this teaser of Turn the Page, a full-blown, fully produced holiday story, my very first it's not an extra scene, it's a standalone short story, and uh, yes, I've enjoyed working on that a lot, and I think I'm going to create more of these. Now, Turn the Page is a Bells and Whistles exclusive, so that means it's only available in full for theater members. Uh, I don't know yet when I'll be back on this public feed. Um, I, I, have to, I have to think about it and kind of... Um, yeah, do what I can for now. If you want to follow along, see where I'm at, see what I'm creating, you can join Patreon for free. Um, you won't have access to um, the extra content, but you will get updates on uh, what I'm working on. Join me on Patreon at patreon.com slash lesbianromantic. Happy holidays, and uh, I will see you on Patreon or on this feed sometime in 2024. Happy holidays again, and Happy New Year. The Bells and Whistles Theatre presents Turn the Page, a Holiday Story. I used to enjoy the holidays, but not anymore. This time of year brings back too many painful memories. However, there is no escape. The streets are decorated with lights and ornaments. The local coffee shop is using their annual holiday cups, and the speakers on Main Street are playing holiday music nonstop. It's never cold outside here, so I usually leave the door to my little bookshop open, but not today. I can hear the music, and I simply can't handle it while I'm putting up decorations in my shop. I do it for my customers. They appreciate the cheeriness. Or maybe they need it? I should mention that I no longer use my real decorations. They hold too much pain and sadness for me. Instead, I've bought cheap ones that have no sentimental value. They look nice enough, though. People comment on them every year. Decorating and making everyone feel welcome has always been a talent of mine. My dog Bernie groans in his corner bed. Lately, he does that every time he moves. He's very old, but still seems happy to be alive. I'm grateful he's still with me. I'd be all alone if he wasn't. I try not to think about the day when I'll have to say goodbye to him. I can't bear the thought of another loss, even though I know it's inevitable. So now, I look at him with a sad smile and sigh. He's a scruffy little mutt with gray fur around his nose. 
She fell in love with him the moment she saw him, but I was the one who needed convincing, and today, he's the one who keeps me company when I need it most. The door opens and a wave of holiday music floods the store, much to my chagrin. I'm standing on a three-step ladder, so I turn around carefully and slowly. It wouldn't be the first time that I fell off this ladder, and I know I won't always get lucky and not get hurt. I'll be with you in just a sec, I say. Sure, a cheery female voice replies. Take your time, River. I freeze as an invisible hand grabs my heart and twists it around in my chest. Excuse me? I croak as I turn around. The woman standing in my doorway looks at me with eyes that sparkle as much as the stars do. River's bookshop? She says and points at the shop's window. It takes me a moment to get it. Oh, right, I say, nodding as I look at the floor. Yeah, I'm not River. Oh, I thought it was the store owner's name, the woman says, a little embarrassed. I'm still looking at the floor and scratch behind my ear. I do that whenever I'm uncomfortable. River used to make fun of it, but in a loving way. I remember how her eyes sparkled whenever she teased me. She had the most beautiful eyes. <clears throat> My customer clears her throat. I'd already forgotten about her. I meet her gaze reluctantly, intending to force a smile onto my lips. But she's looking at me with a curious, joyous gaze and it's a bit infectious. I give her a genuine smile back. I suddenly notice that the music is still playing. Could you please close the door? I say a little more gruffly than intended. Oh sure, I'm sorry. The woman quickly closes the door can't have the cold come in. I arch an eyebrow as her tone is as light and playful as the sparkles in her eyes. After a moment, I realize she's teasing me. It's not cold outside at all. Like I said, it never is here. That's what makes the holidays a little weird, if you ask me. I uh, don't like the music. I volunteer much to my own surprise. She grins at me and nods. I've only been here for a day, and I think I've heard this playlist three times. You missed at least one playthrough, then, I comment dryly. It plays from start to end five times every day. Torture, she says, shaking her head. Have you considered starting a petition? I'm sure you can get enough signatures. <laughs> I laugh before I can stop myself. It surprises me because I haven't heard my own laughter in a long time. It leaves me shaken and a little sad. I used to laugh often and freely, and I liked that version of myself a lot. Bernie seems to like that version of me too, because he has gotten up and joined us, panting happily. Oh my god, who is this? Our visitor asks as she kneels down. Bernie starts wiggling his butt eagerly, wanting to say hi, but also feeling shy. This is Bernie, I say worried he's going to hurt himself with all this wiggling. He's adorable, she coos and lets him sniff her hand. <sighs> he's old, I sigh sadly. She looks up at me and smiles. He still looks very happy. I smile back politely. She's right, he does look happy. 
I sometimes resent him for it, though. How can he be this happy after all we've lost? But I don't want to let that feeling take over right now. Not today, not again. So I bend down and pet Bernie's head. Yes, he's in a great mood most days, I reply. He's the perfect companion, she says, slowly getting up. She takes a deep breath after straightening, and I realize she's a little older than I first thought. Her eyes and smile are young and bright, but her skin shows subtle lines like mine does whenever she smiles. That knee, she says, pointing at her leg. I look up and study her knee. You won't see anything unless I'm wearing shorts, she chuckles. My cheeks turn hot within seconds. My face is probably as red as the holiday decorations I was putting up earlier. I scratch behind my ear in embarrassment. Bernie walks back to his corner and plops down with a groan, leaving me just when I need him most. Traitor. Anyway, I'm looking for something to read, she says. I can help with that, I say quickly, straightening. I point to the table with the best-selling books. These are the town's favorite books right now. I turn and gesture towards the other, smaller table. And these are my personal favorites. There are little notes on the covers if you want to find out more. I've said this exact thing to many customers before, but it feels different now. I feel exposed and vulnerable sharing my recommendations with this particular stranger. Feel free to look around, I tell her and nod towards the box of remaining decorations. I have to put those up. Want some help? She asks, flashing me a goofy grin that looks as carefree as that of a young girl. I'm instantly charmed by it. It's rare to come across an adult who can still smile like that. I certainly can't do it anymore. I shake my head. Now you go find that perfect book, okay? She shrugs and seems a little disappointed. All right. I usually have a hard time picking, so I'll be around for a while. I give her a quick smile and pick up a little Santa stuffed toy from the box before hurrying toward my counter. I need some form of barrier between myself and this chatty visitor, and I feel better as soon as I step behind the old wooden desk. But it doesn't take long before she says, it's a lovely store. I reluctantly look up and meet her kind eyes. Thank you, I say feeling my voice falter for a moment. Have you had it for long? She asks, picking up a book from the table with my recommendations. I take a better look at her and realize I haven't got past her twinkling eyes and generous smile until now. She's dressed as if she's coming back from a long hike. Her dark hair is shoulder length and a little messy, but the look works for her. She's looking at me expectantly, and I remember her question. I give her the answer I always give. The store opened 20 years ago. 20 years, she exclaims, visibly stunned. That's amazing. I start blushing again. Yes, I'm lucky. Oh no, this can't just be luck, she says enthusiastically. You can't survive in this day and age by being lucky. You must have a secret. I adjust the screen of my laptop resting on the table, an old model I got secondhand last year. The web shop does pretty well, and we do get a lot of visitors around here, I say. For a second, I hesitate, 
but then I say what I feel like saying. Still, I think I'm going to have to shut down this place at the end of the year. Amazon is killing me. Her face drops, and she even lowers the book in her hand. I'm, I'm sorry, she stammers, her face flushed. I guess I assumed you... I laugh. I'm kidding, I say, enjoying the embarrassed bewilderment on her face. Her lips part in shock. Then her eyes light up and she lets out a delightful chuckle. <laughs> Got me, she says with that way too charming grin. Quickly looking down at my laptop, feeling guilty for enjoying myself so much, I explain more seriously. It is hard, but I always make it work somehow. I have a lot of repeat customers and they keep this place alive. She walks up to the counter and I feel myself starting to blush more. It's easy to see why people come back here. I know I want to, she says. There's a new sincerity in her voice that makes me look up at her. Our gazes meet and hold for a second. I know I should look away, but I don't want to. To my surprise, she's first to avert her eyes. She taps the book in her hand. I think I'll take this one. You haven't even read the back, I say simply. I read your recommendation, she replies. That's enough for me. My mouth goes dry. Is she flirting with me? Am I flirting with her? What is happening? Okay, I say, trying to remain calm. She smiles and begins searching through her pockets, pulling out a small wallet. Is she leaving? Because I don't want her to go. This realization hits me suddenly, causing panic to rise within me. Are you the CEO of the giant bookstore that's about to put me out of business? I ask on a whim. This catches her attention and she forgets about her wallet. What? I grin. It's from a movie? You've got mail? It's ancient, really. But I thought maybe you might have seen it. She tilts her head. I think I've heard of it, but it is very old. Her eyes twinkle once again. It's about a small bookshop owner who has an online romance with a man who is about to put her out of business. She doesn't know that, of course. I realize I am rambling, but I can't stop myself. The movie inspired my, um, well, now I do stop myself, feeling a chill run down my spine as I realize what I am doing. It's horrible. I am using my dead wife's story to flirt with a stranger. Oh my god, I'm an awful person. Are you okay? You look pale, she asks. I nod, but inside I feel far from okay. I don't think you should get back up on that ladder, she says. Is there somewhere you can sit for a moment? My hands are shaking and the ache in my chest spreads to my throat. I know this feeling all too well. Soon it will force me to sit on the floor and weep uncontrollably. But not right now. I can't let that happen right now. Hey, she says softly and steps around the counter. Come on, let's find you a place to sit. You don't look well. Oh, okay. I stammer, feeling both relieved and increasingly alarmed. I was fine until this stranger walked in and opened the door to the hidden cellars of my grief. 
I should send her away so I can push the monster back down and shut that door again. She reaches for my arm, as if she's about to grab it, but then thinks better of it. What's your name? I rub my chest. Mia, I croak. Okay, Mia, she says. Have you eaten? The question takes me by surprise and seems so trivial that it makes me laugh. <laughs> uh, not much, I admit, happy to think about something as simple as food. Do you live here? Can you sit down and eat something? She continues, still standing near me behind the counter. She's much too close, but I guess she wants to be there in case I topple over. I'll eat something after you've left, I say, and then realize how harsh it sounds. Don't worry, I'm fine, I quickly add, but it doesn't make anything sound any better. Oh, all right, she says, taking a step back. Let me pay for this and get out of your way. I want to say that she is not in my way. I want to make things right between us again, even though this is a stranger and there is no such thing as an us. But I don't say anything at all, and I am reminded of how much that used to piss off River. My name is Danny, she says as she places the book on the counter for me to scan. As I reach for the book, I see that she has chosen one of my favorites. I stare at the cover, lost in thought. It's been a while since I've talked about this book, and I realize how much I miss it. Without hesitation, Danny says, I'd also like to buy a gift card. On autopilot, I ask, sure, how much? I scan the book's barcode with my phone and it appears on the laptop screen immediately. Danny's response surprises me, a hundred bucks. I glance up at her. She smiles timidly, but her eyes are sparkling again. And suddenly, I understand what she's doing. She wants to support the store. I doubt she'll actually give the gift card to someone else. How long will you be staying? I ask as I enter the gift card into the system. There is a pause before she answers, so I look up at her again. Danny meets my gaze with an intensity that doesn't match our conversation as strangers in a bookstore. Not long. Once again, it feels like something is whispering the true meaning of her words in my ear. She plans to leave this town soon and never come back unless I stop her. At this point, I start questioning my sanity. Maybe Danny is right to be worried about me. I touch my lips, making sure my face hasn't twisted into an insane expression. I've heard that experiencing out-of-body moments can be a sign of a stroke before collapsing. That'll, that'll be a 125 then, please. Cash or card? My voice falters with hesitation. Card, please. Danny replies and pulls out her credit card from her wallet. I nod and click a button on the screen. Go ahead. As a chime signals her successful payment, I force a smile. Thank you, I say, though it's rude not to make eye contact. Would you like your receipt? No, thank you, she responds. I already have too many old receipts cluttering my pockets. Her answer genuinely makes me smile because I doubt it's true. She seems organized and put together, 
not the type to leave receipts lying around. But perhaps I am mistaken. I uh, use receipts as bookmarks, I confess. Really? Danny sounds intrigued. I nod and add, I even have ten beautiful bookmarks that I ordered from Etsy. But in the end, I always find myself using random receipts or used envelopes. She laughs. I like that. In the corner of the store, Bernie has dozed off and his snoring interrupts our conversation. Danny turns to look at him and chuckles again. I can't help but giggle too. You know what? I say on a whim. Maybe you could stick around for just one more minute? I need to get back on that ladder and put up some lights. Last year, I relied on Bernie to call for help if I fell off, but today that doesn't seem like a safe bet. Danny's unrestrained grin returns. Of course, happy to assist. I place my hands on the counter. Awesome, thank you. It shouldn't take long. No rush. Danny smiles and puts away her wallet. I've got plenty of time. My heart starts pounding a bit faster at her words. In the last few minutes, something has shifted inside of me and now I am desperate for human company. Just for today, I don't want to be alone. All right then, I say, trying to conceal my relief. I step out from behind the counter and dust my hands off on my pants, even though they're not dirty in any way. It's better than scratching my ear again, at least. Let me find the lights, I say, walking over to the box of decorations where they're neatly rolled up with a piece of old cardboard. Danny hasn't moved, but her eyes are fixed on me. I hold up the lights. I uh, usually hang these over the counter. I point to the old table with my laptop on it. You mean this table? Danny asks, placing her book next to my laptop and piles of paperwork. Yes, the table. I say shyly, feeling self-conscious now. I don't want Danny to think I'm weird. I know I can be odd compared to others, but she doesn't need to know that. All right, I'll start here. I say, walking over to grab the ladder from the corner of the room. Danny joins me, and I become acutely aware of how close she is standing. Every now and then, I catch a hint of her perfume, or shampoo, or day cream, whatever it is. It smells nice. As I climb the three steps of the ladder, it dawns on me that my ass might be right in Danny's face, and I am mortified at the thought. What if I fart? I worry internally, feeling my cheeks turn crimson. But instead of dwelling on it, I push those thoughts away and focus on hanging the lights instead. I skillfully unwrap the lights from the piece of cardboard and reach for the hook I placed on the wall many years ago. Within seconds, I attach the lights to the hook without even having to lean over too far. You've done this before, Danny teases. Just a few times, I reply. Be careful stepping down. She warns as I start to climb down the ladder. It's quite a drop. I bite my lip as I place my foot on the ground. Danny is standing so close that I can feel the warmth of her body. Any normal person would have taken a step back, but she hasn't. Why? As I pick up the ladder, I hesitate. 
The thought of turning around and being face to face with Danny makes me nervous. What if I start thinking or feeling something inappropriate? But then it hits me. I don't know what color her eyes are. Okay, we survived this part. I say, trying to sound calm and collected. What adventure awaits us next? She asks from behind me. I can hear a hint of hoarseness in her voice now. With such little space between us, my skin starts to tingle. But then guilt washes over me and my shoulders tense up. It's been six years since River passed away, and I haven't felt attracted to another woman since then. This shouldn't be happening. Let's move on to the other corner, I say hastily, placing the tangled lights onto a nearby table cluttered with books. I hurry to the other side of the room, bumping into another table along the way. A pile of books falls to the floor, but I don't even bother to check for damage. Whoa, casualties, Danny jokes as she bends down to pick up the fallen books. Sorry about that, I say with a sheepish smile. Thanks. No problem, Danny replies, already straightening back up. I'm glad I could finally be of use. I can't help but smile at her remark. She always knows how to calm me down in moments of panic. It's like she has some sort of sixth sense for it. What do you do when you're not helping bookstore owners put up holiday lights? I ask while placing the ladder close to the wall. I actually own a chain of department stores with large book departments that often put smaller bookstores out of business. Danny says with a serious tone. I spin around, taken aback by her response. But before I can say anything, she breaks into a huge grin. Just kidding. My narrowed eyes relax and I unconsciously run my tongue over my upper lip. I love her sense of humor too much to not indulge in it a little longer. So, are you here to open a store next door and put me out of business? I tease. Danny's eyes twinkle mischievously as she tilts her head. I'm afraid so. You know how times change. My lips part for a moment before breaking into a genuine smile again as I meet her gaze. Her eyes are a light brown, possibly with a hint of green around the irises. It's an interesting mix indeed. I wasn't always a small-town bookstore owner, I say, turning back to the ladder. You didn't grow up around here? Danny asks as she steps closer. New York City, I reply, climbing the three steps again. Born and raised. Really? Danny responds, sounding genuinely surprised. I live in New York City. I pause at the top of the small ladder. A twinge of longing for my city tightens my chest. Not born and raised, though, Danny adds. I guess you could tell. Can you hand me the lights? I ask, already fixing my eyes on the other hook in the wall. Of course, Danny says quickly and rushes to get them. She hands them to me a moment later and I nod in gratitude. So, um, where did you grow up? I ask. A small town, much like this one, she replies. I couldn't wait to get away from it. My eyebrows shoot up. Don't like small towns? don't like small-minded people, she answers with sadness in her eyes for the first time. And my hometown had plenty of those. Ah, 
I say, clumsily holding onto the decorative lights. I don't want to reach for the hook too quickly and appear indifferent to what she just shared with me. Go ahead, she says, apparently reading my mind now. Right, I say, thinking that I have become awfully inept at expressing myself properly. I'll just... As I reach for the hook, I lose my balance and for a terrifying moment, hang in the air feeling gravity pull at me. But then Danny's hands grab me and pull me back just before I fall. Careful, she says loudly. I start laughing. I'm not even sure why, but I cannot stop until I notice Danny's hands still gripping my arm tightly. Suddenly, my body starts buzzing with a feeling that has been absent for a long time. I reach for the hook on the wall again, trying to distract myself. With Danny's hands still holding on to me, I manage to attach the lights, feeling the heat radiating from where she's touching me. There, I say, slightly out of breath. All set. Hooray, Danny exclaims, her voice betraying a hint of strain. Time for a break. As I descend the ladder, it feels more unstable than before, and I hold on for dear life. Danny doesn't let go until both my feet are back on the ground. We grin at each other, a grin of accomplishment and discovery. Do you drink coffee? Danny asks, tucking her hand into her pocket. Of course, I reply still maintaining eye contact. She looks away as she asks, Do you want to go out and maybe grab some? I can't, I respond immediately. The smile on her face fades and her shoulders slump. I have the store, I explain. Of course, she says, rubbing the back of her neck. I completely forgot about the store. Well, I stutter. I do have some pretty good coffee in the back. The coffee is more than just pretty good. It's exceptional. As a self-proclaimed coffee snob, I always keep a stash of specialty beans in my kitchen cabinet. Danny's face lights up. I'd love that. Her cheeks flush bright red. I mean, if you're offering. It's been years since I've had coffee.